this week, uh, received some encouraging uh, 40 days of focus reports. A lot of time you go through Lent and 40 days of focus, what we could have focus in in Jesus, to let go of some things so that we have more space for Jesus in our life. As we said in this quote I've given it to you the last few weeks, less of self and more of Jesus, more and more each day like thee, just to live in full surrender for my Lord who ransomed me. We just sang about that, the more, 2020 more this year, and what God wants to do in our lives as we let go of some things, we just invite him to come and to take over those areas in our life and, and like a waterfall to show us exactly what he has for us. Maybe we could put it this way as John the Baptist did. What? He must increase and I must decrease. Right? That's all we're trying to do. Focus in. Take less of ourselves. To decrease ourselves so that he can increase in our life. Or maybe as my late brother Kip wrote, brother-in-law, I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. Well, some of the things that came to me this week, a friend wrote and texted me and emailed me, however it was, and said, I want more patience during this time. And I want it now, of course. We all understand that, just having a lot of fun. It's fun to get these things back and forth. Thank you so much for sharing. Three people texted me and said they're working to do what I've been working to do, to leave my phone alone in the morning time so I can have my quiet time with Jesus and not get distracted by that. That's seven for seven of it this last week. Thank you. I can't remember to pray for my meal, but I can sure put my phone away. Man, it's been refreshing. And all you people at the end of the alphabet, you got prayed for this year, all right, this week, right? All you W's, X, Y, Z, because I pray through the body, our body every every week. You got prayed for because I had time, leaving that 15 minutes of reading about golf and, you know, skiing or whatever. And three people said they're doing the same thing. And you know what? Those three people are very, very happy. They're not going, oh my goodness, this is so terrible, I can't believe it. Look what I missed. No. No, they're, they're saying, man, this is good. This is good. This frees me up to be able to spend this time with Jesus and to concentrate and not get distracted by my phone. Even a, a, a gentleman told me this last week, yesterday, last night at the Beast Feast, told me that he's putting his phone up and not looking at it all the time, looking for some things that he's usually looking for, and he's taking that time to read how it's been refreshing and how good he feels about that. Here's what my friend Gary Hope says. He says this, when we let go of bad or even good things, you find better things, life-giving things, growth in areas you need growth. When we let go of bad things or even good things, and we allow Jesus to have his space, and can create more room with him, I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. You will find life-giving things. You'll find growth in areas where you need growth. So, join me.
join these in their testimonies they've shared with you this morning. That I've shared with you this morning. Let go of something. Give more space to God. Still got about 25, 28 days or so. Plenty of time. To develop some habits that will benefit you. And strengthen you. And you'll have growth in your life. And please, keep sharing them with me. It's so much fun to get them from you. Be able to banter back and forth and talk about it and rejoice with one another and smile with one another, whether it's an emoji or whatever it is to be able to do that. Let go of something and make space for Jesus. You know what? Peter wants us to grow too. Right? Peter wants us to grow too. That's why he wrote this letter to his friends in Asia, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia. Turkey, as we know it, the area of Turkey, Asia Minor. So we're going to look at that this morning. I've given you up here this, some titles that various commentators have given to this, this section of Scripture. Peter's feeling of responsibility to challenge them, stirring up Christians to holiness. Men die, but the Word lives. Excuse me. Peter's reminder churches. I give those to you before we read it so that when you read it, you'll understand what they're saying and to give you a little bit of foundation, a little bit of base to be able to understand the passage a little bit better. So just going to start at verse 1 again. It's all got contextual to be able to be a part of what we're dealing with. So 2 Peter chapter 1, we have it in the Bible. If it's, you don't have one, there's one right in front of you near the end of the, the book, tablet. I see some of you have your tablet and your phone's out. Love that. Simon Peter, Simeon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Multiplied like a waterfall. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, then they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he is cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these things, then you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in the body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me sorry, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. 
And I'll make every effort. I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Lord, this is your word. It is important. It's practical. And it's true. Now, use me conduit just to be able to communicate what you have for us this morning. And thank you that you're right there with us because you're Emmanuel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Say, what are you going to say? There's not a whole lot in these passages, right? Well, I'll try to try to bring it out for you. Got this. Pretty simple. Peter mentions his reminders three times. Peter mentions his reminders three times in this passage. Follow along with me. In verse 12, he says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Right? What are those qualities? The qualities are back in verse 5 through 8. Then he mentions there, Let us make every effort to be diligent, to supplement our faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. How you doing working on those this week? Did you pick one out this week to work on? He said, I'm working on self-control. These people that have come back to me with their reports in 40 days, they're working on self-control early in the morning. Lord, I want you to be in charge of my time. I don't want to be in charge of this time. I'm going to quit this aside. I'm going to have self-control so that I can concentrate on you and what you have for me. I think Peter would say, listen, I don't want you just to remember those seven virtues. I want you to remember everything that I've written to you. That's important. This is God's inspired word. Amen? It's what he has for us. And I'd like for you to remember that. And I'm going to remind you of that because that's what God's called me to be able to do. Secondly, he mentions reminding in verse 13. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. That's my verse. My version says that word to stir you up, it means to awaken. Help you get with what we need to do and what we need to be involved in. To move and grow. I want to stir you up. I want to get you going. I want you to understand what's really, really important as we walk this world together. Someone has said, and you know this, we have a tendency to forget those things we need to remember and to remember those things we need to forget, right? We all understand that. You know that in your own life. Even this morning, you might have had one of those moments where you said, well, let's see, what did I come in here for? But then, you know, man, why in the world can I remember that? I really don't need to remember that. That's just stupid. That's fool. I don't, well, I'll know that. They say, I'm here. I want to awaken you. I want to awaken you to the spiritual matters that are really the most important thing in your life. Thirdly, you'll see, as he says in verse 15, I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to, at any time, to recall these things. How are you going to recall these things if he doesn't remind you? That's what he's saying. I want to remind you things so that down the road you can recall these things. That make every effort there. Verse 15, I will make every effort. You've seen that same word in verse 5, where he says, For this very reason... Make every effort. You see that same word used in verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. Make every effort. It's the same Greek word. He's making a point. 
Get after it. Give 110%. Do your best. Don't be mediocre in this walk. Give it everything you got. And pursue Him with everything that you have. He says, I want to remind you so that you can remember later. I want to remind you so that you can remember later. You think about Psalm 119. You know that passage, 176 verses. Only three or four don't mention the law, precept, the Word of God, commandment. Do you think David is trying to make a point? (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to make a point, all right. The Word of God is really important. You need the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. Make it a part of your life. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And he goes on in various places there. How shall a young man keep his way pure by taking heed to thy word? Let me not wander from your commandments, Lord. Help me to stay right there with you. And all those beautiful verses that are there. He's trying to say to us what Peter is saying. I want to remind you this is really, really important. You need to make it a part of your life. This word that I'm giving to you. Take it. Know it. Then apply it. Put it into your word. If you're reading through your one-year Bible, at least as I am, I'm in the book of Deuteronomy now. Deuteronomy means second law, the giving of the second law. As a matter of fact, Moses expands on it. You'll remember that he got the first law at Mount Sinai as they're starting their journey into the wilderness. Now, when he gives in Deuteronomy, they're right at the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross into the Promised Land. And Moses gives the second law. He expands on it even more. That's why it's called Deuteronomy, a second law that is given. He goes back over it. These are things you need to know. Let me remind you what God gave to us at Mount Sinai that we've been living under for the past 40 years. Why does God give it to us? Because God knows what's best for us. He knows exactly what's best for us. He's the creator. And he's saying, these are the things that will help you to follow me. So, do them. And Peter says, that's why I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of these things so that you will follow God. And you'll follow Jesus Christ more closely. And he'll be, he'll be more near and dear to you as you walk this life. Now, with, with three reminders and four verses, it's obvious that Peter thinks that knowing and practicing these qualities is really, really important. Would you agree with me? I mean, four verses, he says three times, I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you, because this is really, really important. And as he reminds, he writes in verse 12, he, he says to them, though you know them, he said, you know them, you've heard them from me, these are part of your life. Now, what he's saying there is this, then continue in them. You know them. Make them a part of your life. You're practicing them. Keep doing it. And then he goes on to say, and and are established in the truth that you have. They have the truth. What God has for them. How do we know this is the truth? Because it comes from God. And we know that he is the truth. He cannot lie. He can only give us the truth. That which is good and right and perfect for us. And he says, being established, thinking about this. Be unmovable. Regarding God's directions. Be unmovable regarding the truth that God has for you. And follow it and live it here. You see, the Lord wants our lives to be like that beautiful waterfall. 
to continue. That waterfall keeps coming down to continue in what we know. And what he's revealed to us, to be established in that, to, to stand there on that rock and to see that his grace and his holiness and his forgiveness as it extends to us each day. And if we, like the readers of this book that we're reading it, are increasing in these qualities and truths, the faith and the virtue and the knowledge and the self-control and the steadfastness and the brotherly affection and the love. If we're increasing in those, verse 8 says what? He says, if you're increasing this, they will help you to be effective and and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You won't just get by. You won't be ineffective. You won't be unfruitful. You'll be effective and you will be fruitful. Do you remember the illustration I used last week about the washing machine? Of course you do. I know you do. The washing machine that doesn't work. It's ineffective. It's not washing clothes, and it's only two months old. I mean, three weeks old. It's not working right. It's ineffective. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. I got good news for you. Yeah, it's fixed. That's right. Dave, you're right with me. The guy's repairman came. They put a new motor in it, and now it washes clothes. Now it's effective. It's doing what it's called to do. Yahoo! (laughs) That's what we're supposed to be. Doing what we're supposed to do for Jesus. And if we'll do that, guess what? We'll be fruitful. We'll be helping others follow Jesus Christ. That's what Peter writes. You see, I want you to be that. I want you to be like Jesus Christ, to be effective, make a difference in their lives, and reproduce the life of Christ in people around you. That's what we're working toward. That's what he wants for us. Now, referring back to verse 12 of Peter's statement, I intend to always remind you of these qualities. On the one hand, this hand, on the one hand, that is his intention. And his reminders are recorded in 2 Peter, the inspired word of God, for us to always and at any time read. But I remind you this. That's only his intention. Because he's not always going to be able to remind his readers personally. You know why? Because he says in this passage, his death is certain. I want to always remind you. Well, he can't do that literally because he's soon to die. Notice how he puts it in these four verses. He says in three ways. Just like he mentions his reminders three ways, he mentions his death in three ways in this passage. In verse number 13. I think it right. As long as I am in this body, he knows he's not always going to be in this body. Right? As long as I can, as as long as I am in this body, as long as I have breath, I'm going to connect you with God and his word. I don't know how long I'll be alive, but I know this, at some point, In verse 14, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. Not only do I know I'm going to die at some point, I'm going to die soon. 
And he says in there that our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I think he's referring back, as we said in our introductory sermon, he's referring back to John chapter 21. We're there at the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has come alongside Peter and he's restoring him. He denied him three times, and so he says to him, do you love me three times? He matches it together. And in that, he says to him, as it recorded in John 21, I'll read it to you. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Yep, we all understand that. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. John makes a comment. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. You love my sheep? Yes, I do. Do you love my people? Yes. Do you love me? Yes, 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 I do. Then follow me. Stay with it. Keep growing. Continue in it. But then Peter gets distracted. Jesus says, follow me. And pretty soon, it's not more than, you know, 32 seconds later. And Peter gets distracted. And what did he say? But what about him? Speaking of John. But what about him? And Jesus says, if, if I wanted to remain alive until I come back again, what is that to you? You must follow me. Don't get distracted. Put the phone away, Peter. Put the phone away. You concentrate on me. Look at me. Keep me. Keep your eyes on me. Follow me. Peter knows he's going to die soon. Maybe maybe secondly, maybe, maybe the Lord has spoken to him. And he said, you're soon to die. You know, he, he did that for a guy named Moses. He did that for Aaron. He said, today's your day. Head him up on the mountain. Because today's your day. You've been reading through your one-year Bible. You just got through reading that about a couple of weeks ago. Today's your day. Just go ahead and go on up there. You're going to die. It's also possible this. His physical circumstances tell him he's going to die. His tradition says at this point he's in prison in Rome. And he's going to get martyred. And at this point, he probably knows that his martyrdom is coming soon by the hands of the, Ro- of the Roman authorities. We don't know all that. But we do know that Jesus does prophesy his death, tells him that he's going to be, he's going to have a, a, a death that's going to honor God, but it's going to be difficult. That's the second time that he says that. He says first in verse 12, as long or 13, as long as I'm in this body. Secondly, he says, I'm going to put off my body, and that's going to be soon. And then in verse 15, he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure... By leaving on this earth, stepping off this earth, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Think about what he's referring to, Peter's referring to. When we die, we put off the body, right? The body ceases to live. Paul called the body a tent. We only use it for a time. And we know that when we depart earth, when everybody departs earth, the spirit lives on. It's eternal. And we eternal beings that will live, will either live with Christ in heaven or will live apart from Christ in hell. Everybody, every person that's ever lived, their spirit lives on and their body gives out. 
Now, thirdly, I'd like for us to consider our moving toward death with each other. Let me preface, and then we'll pray. I'm not calling out anybody. I'm not referring to anybody as I go through this. You'll hear some of the points that I use in a memorial service and in a funeral service if you've been to any that I've conducted. I've had lots of experience with this lately. I don't know. I was going to count the other day. I don't know how many funerals I've done since I've been here. Maybe 40. 22 years. Might be more than that. But I want to talk about us. I want to talk personally, just down to earth, feet on the ground, about death. I know it's not easy to talk about. It's hard to talk about. And, and death itself is not easy. Going through death and having a loss of somebody that's very important. Many of you, even this past year, have lost somebody really important. It's a journey, the grief journey. We call it a grief journey. That's why we have grief share on Thursday nights. It's really, it's, it's for going through these times of grief, but it's also a training session so that when you go through it, you can better respond to the grief that you experience, but also you can help others in the grief that they're going through. You can come at any time and join us. It's worth the effort to do it because every one of us is going to experience it. They say there are two things that are certain while we're on earth, right? Death and taxes. You'll know, notice Peter talks about death, but he doesn't talk about taxes. <laughs> That's third Peter, all right? There is no third Peter, just in case you don't know. So I, I, I think this is important. And again, I'm not singling anybody out. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm only going from my experience. What I've experienced, I've experienced death too. My father died in 1983, 54 years of age. Haven't had a lot there, but I've been through it with many people. And I'm honored allow me to go through this. We have a great, great God and great Father. We don't like to use the word death, the D word. We say things like this, he passed, he's gone, she's slipped into eternity. She went to a better place. Uh, she's no longer with us. And I kind of find it interesting. Peter doesn't use the D word either. As long as I'm in the body, after my departure, well, that's pretty close. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass from you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put off my body soon. He, he doesn't use the word either. But I think that it's all right. thought is this, and you know this, because of sin, you will die. I just used the word then, thank you for that. No, I'm not sorry. But because of sin, you will die. All of us, unless the Lord comes and takes us to heaven, and we're all praying for that, of course, I can understand that going to die. The sin of Adam in the garden 
brought death into our world. And our own sin brings death to us too. Romans 3.23 You can help me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's an inclusive all. Everybody. Everybody who we know that. I mean, you said, you know, if I only sinned three times a day, that'd be a good day. Maybe some of you are better than me. But we've all sinned. We know that our sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God, God's standard to be with Him. Paul goes on to say, and he says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is, it is, physical death, Unless the Lord comes for you and you're Enoch and just takes you up, you can't die. But the greater death is spiritual death. Being separated from Christ for eternity. That's the greater death. Because of sin, all are going to die. Secondly, Because of sin, you need to be prepared for your death. Memorial services and funerals, I say, put it this way. Life goes by really fast. You need to be prepared for your death. We don't know the time of our departure. Like you see when you go to the airport, it says departures. You look on your phone, you're techie. You don't need those signs. You just look on your phone. It's not there. It's not up there for us. We might have some clues sometimes, but we just don't know. The only bread you're guaranteed is the one you accept. So I'm asking you this as a pastor, as my friend, because I love you. somebody to make decisions for you, they'll make decisions for you. And you may not want them to make those decisions for you. They can be trusted. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's your decision. But please, have it. Let people know how you want things to be handled when you're not in your body. And you know what? Your pastor would love it if you kind of put together a service. And you let them know what you want in your service. It's really important. It helps us. Bill's amen and Pastor Bill. It helps us to know what, what is really important for you in your service. The songs you want. 
don't pick five of them, okay? People only have so much time, all right? They want to come and be with you, but they don't want to, you know, go through five songs, all right? And don't give a 20-minute slide presentation of every picture of your life, please. Two songs, do about 40 slides, you know, be there. I'm just giving you practical advice. If you do these things, there are going to be people that are going to really think, and they're going to really love you a lot, and that's called your family. Because they're not going to have to worry about these things because you've already taken care of, of these things. A will, medical directives, power of attorney, medical power of attorney. There's probably other things that are there, your memorial service, um, important papers, plans for your death. Just this week, somebody that I know is putting together all their passwords for their family. And this person told me, he says, because you've told us you would they going to know how to get into this and to do that, to go this direction and to, you know, get to Southwest Airlines and all those different places you got to go to, right? And they don't have those passwords for you. I know it's hard. I'm an heir. I need to update my will, okay? I'm just being too transparent with you. I got one, but I need to update it. Don't I, Alicia? Because of sin, you will die. Because of sin, you need to be prepared for your death. You want to just, I, I know this is hard, but think about it. We as Christians, I say it gently and cautiously, we as Christians should look forward to our death. Because we're going to heaven. We're going to our home. This is not our home. We're just a passing through. This is only dress rehearsal for eternity. I'm not saying you get giddy about it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we should look forward to that because it frees us from here and we get to be with Jesus someday. All right. Okay, I can put it this way. I just wrote this in this morning. We're just leaning on the everlasting arms. We're not in them yet. Someday we'll be in them. Right now we're just leaning on them, Right? When you die, you'll want to go to heaven. When you die, you're going to want to go to heaven. It's not the better place. Oh, we say, you can say that. He went to a better place. No, no, it's the best place. It's the best place. You know why? Because Jesus is there. <laughs> That's where he's at. And we're going to see his nail-printed hands. Scar on his side. I believe they're still there. He had him on when he's on the earth, and he ascended in the same way. He said, I'm coming back the same way. I'm coming to the physical body. They're going to be there. And we'll get to see him. We'll get to be with him. Now say this. Be careful. Jesus is very clear that there's a heaven and a hell. I don't make that up. Jesus is the one that stated that. He always tells the truth. He is the truth. I don't, I don't like the concept of hell either. And I bet you Jesus didn't either. But I put the verses down there. They're in your outline that you can look up. Matthew 13, 50. Mark 9, 43.
16.23. How about even 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, which says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Peter just echoes what Jesus said. There is a place that will be, you'll be without Christ, and it is not a place you want to go. Not everybody goes to heaven because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way you go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And he's been presented to you today. And he is presented now as he is the way, the truth, and the life. Make sure, make sure, my friend, that you leave here with Jesus. I mean the earth. When you leave, then go with Jesus. Don't leave home without it, okay? MasterCard, right? No, we, we don't want to leave here without Jesus. Make sure you know Jesus, have eternal life. He says in 1 John, the disciple of Jesus Christ, who used the word believe over a hundred times in the Gospel of John, he says here, he that has the Son has the life. He doesn't have a, does not have the Son of God, does not have, this, have the life, eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. You know right now, every one of you knows whether you have Jesus as your Savior. You know whether you have the Son or not. You know whether you've invited Him to be a part of your life. And if you don't know Jesus, make Him a part of your life right now. Because you don't know that you have the next hour. Oh, I'll just wait. No, you don't do that. If you don't know that you have the next hour. Make Jesus a part of your life. Say yes to him, Jesus. I sin. My sin is separated from me. You, you came and you died on the cross. You're the son of God. And I confess my faith in you. I say yes to you. I believe. I want to receive you as my Savior. All you have to do, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Just tell him, you sin. He knows that. You know that. Return to him for forgiveness and say, I need you as my Savior. Please, don't leave here today without Jesus. When you die, This came out of our study on, on, on Thursday morning at Head House at the Brothers. Just, we talked about the sermon that's coming up. And I asked them their thoughts. And what would you say? when I asked the question, what, what would you say as we talked about this? And this thought came from this. I put it in these words. Live well now so that you finish well later. Live well now so that you finish well later. We all have things in our lives where we've made bad decisions. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We made mistakes and we've sinned. Any, anybody here not done any of those things? <laughs> we've all done that. We've all kind of got skeletons in the closet that we really don't want to reveal to people. We've all got it. We can't do, we can't go back and change those things. They're done. Now, if they're sins, we can be forgiven. Yes, ask Jesus for forgiveness. So we have those things. But if we have things and we, and we haven't lived like we should live, then, you know, it's never too late to change our path. We 
God's help, right? You're living like you shouldn't be living. God, I need your help, and I don't want to do this. I don't need to go this way. This is not for me. This is not what you have for me. This is the way I want to go. So that you can live well now, so that you finish well later. And you move away from those things that are keeping you from following Jesus. And this is the way I want to live. I want to live like Jesus wants me to live. I want to finish well. I want my life to bring honor to Him. To understand His forgiveness and His healing and His grace and His forgiveness that He has for us. So that my life is a testimony to what He has for us. And the great verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I love this verse. Read it with me if you would. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, I was an athlete throughout my life. I wasn't very good at it, but I was an athlete. Even went skiing on Friday. I could barely walk up the stairs today. Bodily training discipline, it's good. It has benefits. But not compared to godly training. It's godly training. Godly discipline has benefit for right now on the earth, and it has benefit for the life to come. So that we live well now, like God wants us, so that we'll finish well when that time comes. Here's here's some thoughts. celebrate when we make wise decisions and live accordance with God's commandments. Hebrews 12 speaks of that, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, he says, I run this race, man, I press on. I press on. I press on. Because I want to finish. Number five. Number five. Number five. Leave a spiritual legacy. My devotional from Moody Bible Institute and, and since last week said this, when researchers asked 50 people over the age of 95 they got a few years, what they would do differently, their top three answers were reflect more, invest in more long living projects and take more risks now I'm not advocating for taking more risks and all that, and you understand the ability, but how about the long living projects to, to live well now so that we finish well, right? So that we leave a spiritual legacy. And I'm not talking about a financial or a state legacy. That's important and valuable. But it's leave a spiritual challenge to your family. Leave it in your will. Leave it on your headstone if you have one. Leave it in the memorial service. A spiritual challenge to your children and your grandchildren and to the people that come so that they know what you are all about. That you are about Jesus Christ and leave a spiritual legacy. And Johnny Dasher showed me this one, so this will loosen us up a little bit. This is not the legacy that you want to show, you want to leave. <laughs> Some of you are going, I'm going home this afternoon. <laughs> I try to loosen you up. I know this has been heavy. I understand this. 
you'll leave a legacy. That, that, that leaves a legacy, all right. <laughs> a messy one. That's not the type of legacy you want to leave. Just practically. Help your family out. Because guess what? They're going to have to deal with it if you're gone. But leave a spiritual legacy. That's what really matters. That Jesus Christ is number one in my Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. That's the legacy you want to leave. Let's get that one out of our calendar. Move that one out of my heart. Thank you. Peter. Peter's leaving a legacy. What he's about. As God has guided him to put these letters together, he's, he's telling, this is who I am, and this is who I am in Jesus Christ. But remember this, my friends. Peter's just an ordinary dude. He's just a fisherman. He's just an ordinary guy. Just like you, as an ordinary woman, as an ordinary, just ordinary people. But he gave his life fully to what? Follow Jesus. And what did Jesus tell him at the lake? You must follow me. Don't get distracted by John. Don't get distracted by the other the other uh, disciples that are here. Peter, you keep your eyes on me. You follow me. So that's what we need to be doing. That's why you're here today. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't important to you. You want to follow Jesus. Just like Peter. You're just an average person. Man, God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And he wants to do those things through you and through me. So that when we're getting ready to step off this earth, to die, you, like Peter, will have faithfully reminded your family and friends about Jesus and the obedient and joyful life he promised you that he gives you and he gave to you. That's what you want to do. I know this isn't easy. It's not easy to talk about these things, but it is important. It's a really important.